Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. We all have patterns in our lives. I've got them. You've got them. Patterns are repeated ways of operating that can produce problems. You may recognize this one. Every year at Christmas, you say, I won't eat too much. (laughs) But by 1.30 p.m., you're sitting on the couch, letting your belt out to the next notch, or thankful that you've worn your stretchy pants. Patterns. Patterns. Why do I end up with the same dropkick guy every time? Patterns. I swore I wouldn't get uncontrollably angry again, but here I am, red face, blood boiling, yelling. Patterns. Patterns of thinking. Patterns of behavior. Patterns that cause problems. I'm in debt again. I just keep spending more than I earn. Patterns. It doesn't matter how good things are going, I'm always looking for the next disaster around the corner. Eeyore syndrome, it's probably gonna rain today. Oh well, I may as well just stay inside. Patterns. It's so frustrating, eh? It's so annoying that we get on this merry-go-round of our behaviors and our thinking, and we're like, I just don't seem to be able to change this, and the question is, is it too late to change my mind and get off this thing? We all have patterns, and patterns produce problems sometimes. It's like this. Let me tell you a story in five short chapters, the story of my life in five short chapters. I'm gonna start with the first three. Perhaps you can identify. Chapter one. I went out for a long walk. I fell (laughs) into a hole. It took me a long time to get out. Now for the safe expediency and so we're not here till three o'clock. Long time, long time, long time, long time. That was chapter one. Chapter two. I went out for a long walk. I fell into the same hole. It took me a long time to get out. Long time, long time, long time, long time, long time. Chapter three. I went out for a long walk. This time I saw the hole. But I got too close and I fell in. And it took me a long time to get out. Do you want to say it with me? Long time, long time, long time, long time. Okay. I'll tell you the other two chapters a little bit later. Someone said it this way. We don't need new ways to fail. 
the old ways are working just fine. <laughs> Let me introduce you to a member of our family. This is Tess. Hopefully. Have we got a picture of Tess? Oh, it's coming. This is Tess. There she is. She's our eight-year-old, manically crazy dog. <clears throat> so one day, I was with Tess at the dog park. Tess has got a very sensitive tummy. You give her anything that's not her normal dog food, and she does a wee right? So I was at the dog park. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just starts going <coughs> like this and vomits in front of me on the ground. And so I'm like, oh, first. <laughs> but before I could do anything or really even think a thought, literally as soon as it was out of her mouth, she was back down there going <laughs> and eating it up again. And I'm like, double yuck. And this must be normal dog behavior. Because in the Bible, in Proverbs, which was written way, 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 way back, the writer of Proverbs noticed the same problem. Proverbs 26, 11 says this. As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. The message says, as a dog eats its own vomit, so fools recycle silliness. Good News Bible says, a fool doing some stupid thing a second time is like a dog going back to its vomit. I mean to say it's a pretty disgusting picture, right? But like intrepid adventurers, we're going to go there anyway. So let's unpack this verse. The word fool up there means obstinate. It means not mentally deficient, doesn't mean like you're intellectually handicapped in some way. It means that you have a tendency to make wrong choices. It's the opposite of wise. Okay? Full. Folly. Not a word that we use a lot these days. It's an old-fashioned word. But it means this. Knowing what the wise thing to do is, but not doing it. It's the opposite of wisdom, right? And I am so committed to every single person in here that I actually did a word study on the word vomit for you. In the English dictionary, vomit means this, to eject the contents of the stomach via the mouth. And I discovered something really interesting. In Hebrew, vomit means to eject the contents of the stomach via the mouth. The meaning is the same. Vomit now is the same as vomit then. But brace yourselves. I know some of you are starting to feel a bit queasy. You're right, Haley. You okay? <clears throat> brace yourselves. We are not done with vomit yet. We're going deeper. Yes, we are. We are going deeper. I have a question. Why do we, in the natural... Why do we vomit, spew, puke, heave, upchuck, hurl, reach up the contents of our stomachs? Why do we? 
because our insides can't take whatever's in there anymore and has to get rid of it. You starting to feel a bit queasy? I am. (laughs) That's the idea. You know what? There are some beautiful passages in the Bible, lovely, encouraging passages that build us up. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, and for God so loved the world, and Psalm 23, and we need those passages. We need those encouraging words, but there are also passages that have a different purpose and say it in a different way. Sometimes in the Bible, thoughts, commands, and wisdom are stated in the negative for impact. And it's meant to assault us. It's meant to assault our senses. It's meant for us to go, oh, and wake us up to what we're doing. Look at the results. The thing is, we get to these kind of verses in the Bible, and we just go, oh, quick, turn the page. Let me get something nicer. I don't want to think about vomit. Well, when I observed Tess after she vomited on the ground, I was like, okay, okay, leave that alone. You don't want to be touching that. Ooh, move on, right? But no, she just went right up and ate it up again. And I was a little bit sick in my mouth, but she just went right back to the habit, the pattern that dogs have had for thousands of years. And there was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't reason with her. I couldn't plead her. She did it so fast. I couldn't even move her out of the way. She just did what dogs do. But we aren't like that. We can recognize that something isn't going right and change it if we want to. So time out. Is there a pattern in your life that is keeping you from moving forward, from maturing, or from flourishing in the way God wants Could it be a pattern in your thinking? Could it be a pattern in your actions or your behavior? I want you to see really clearly what's contrasted in that verse. A dog eating its own vomit is equal to a person going back and repeating the same mistake over and over again. So here's the picture this proverb is painting for us. You've just thrown up a pattern. There it is on the ground. Because it's been making you sick and you can't hold it in anymore and it's got to come out. And it's sitting there on the ground and you go, I know it's not wise to and it's a bit gross and I could get bad outcomes from doing this, but here's what we do. We go right in and we just eat it all up again. Rather than leave it alone, we just... Now, I am fairly certain that there is not a single person here who would actually go back and eat their own vomit, right? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I had, we had a sleepover at school with 70, year seven and eights. What were we thinking? But it was fun. They tented, right? And we wake up on Friday morning. One of my boys comes to me and says, Mrs. T, I'm not feeling very well. I went, oh, what's the matter? He goes, I've vomited. I said, how long ago? He goes, an hour ago. And I said, why don't you come and find me? He goes, I, I didn't know where you were. Um, <clears throat> and so he went home. And later on, when we'd done everything, we'd come back. I had to get into the tent. 
and clean. Sorry, Rachel, I know. That's why they pay the teachers big bucks. <laughs> Strike, no, not even the union. Okay. Got my rubber gloves, got a hot, hot water disinfectant and got in there because I knew the dad parents were going to come back later to collect the tent and really, like, I think that's, we can clean up some vomit for you, right? It's gross. Chunky bits. It's like, oh. So none of us would ever actually eat our own vomit. You'll never forget this sermon in a million years, will you? But we do go back and we repeat the same patterns of thinking, the same patterns of behavior, the same sins over and over and over again. And they bring the same negative and destructive results every single time. Maybe it's the pattern of trying to please everybody. The result of that, you please no one. Maybe it's the pattern of thinking, no one cares about me. The result of that, people will try to care about you and then they'll give up. The pattern of thinking you can handle everything. I don't need anyone else. Result? You fall apart. Maybe it's the pattern of trying to be someone that you are not. Result? You don't flourish. Or perhaps the pattern of thinking you can change another person. And all the married people said, Result, relationships fall apart or are fractious. Maybe it's the pattern of returning to what hasn't worked, an old relationship, an old job, an old way of thinking. Result, same frustrations, same outcome. Maybe it's the pattern of self-destructive thinking or behaviours, hurting yourself to dull the pain inside. Result, you add to your pain, so you have to keep increasing the self-destructive behaviours to match it. What about the pattern, oh, this one, the pattern of the inner critic? You can't, you won't, you shouldn't. Result, in the end you don't even try. Or the pattern of that same sin over and over and over. Result? You give up because you come to believe that God has given up on you because you can't get over it. Or the pattern of thinking, and this is the story of my teacher and I when we first got married, our early marriage. This was my pattern. <clears throat> I'm mad at you, so I'm going to slam doors and I'm going to walk away from you in a huff and say, Don't you even talk to me? because I don't want to talk to you, slam, and off I'd go. Really what I wanted him to do was to come after me and go, let's talk. Right? It was manipulation. The list, I could go on and on and on. The list is endless. 
And I know you might be sitting there and you might be going, remember, you don't know how messed up my thinking is, Shelley. You, you, don't, you don't know how messed up my life is because of the thinking and the behavior that I keep repeating and I feel powerless to change it. Is it too late? Is it too late to change my mind? My life is so dysfunctional. I love how Stephen Furtick puts it. He says this, even at your most dysfunctional, you still have a destiny. Say it again. Even at your most dysfunctional, you still have a destiny. It's never too late to change your mind. It's never too late to change your mind. I know I've hit this hard. We've gone deep. So I'm going to give you a breather. Watch this video. The human brain, made of approximately 100 billion neurons, the same number of stars that exist within our galaxy. The human brain monitors and regulates all of the body's actions and reactions. With over five trillion chemical operations occurring every second, and signals being transferred at speeds of over 260 miles per hour, our brain is rapidly analyzing and responding to all of the sights, sounds, and smells all around us. Now, because we are all born slaves to sin, our mind has been programmed to behave out of selfish desire. The way we think, dream, reason, and act are limited to the ways of this world. Now consider the facts for a moment. For every behavior we experience, our brain creates a neurological pathway. As behaviors are repeated, those pathways become increasingly more stable. Think of it this way. A single behavior maps out a dirt road in your brain, creating a basic pathway for your thoughts to travel. But as you repeat behaviors, your brain builds a highway, allowing for an increased volume and frequency of thoughts to move about, resulting in your day-to-day -day actions. In order to change our behavior, we must reprogram our brain it requires the deconstruction of existing highways and is a process that takes time. The Bible directs us to take every thought captive and to commit daily to the renewing of our mind through the power of God's Word. And in time, the result is the formation of an entirely new neurological roadmap, leading you to the life you were meant to live. I think twice might be overkill. So, I told you the first three chapters of the story of my life before. Let me finish my story. Do you remember the first three? Yeah? Long time, long time, long time. Okay. Chapter four. I went out for a walk. I saw the hole, and I went around it. Chapter five. I've got to come back to the middle to make it look right. I went out for a walk. 
And I went down another street. Where you are now is not a mystery to God. He knows. And what is so fabulous about our God is that even though he knows the pattern, his grace means he has a destiny that is better than your current reality. It's never too late to change your mind. Turn to the person next to you and tell them that. It's never too late to change your mind. So over the years, I've observed that there is a process that brings about change, maturity and growth in a person. Three steps to this process. Step number one, recognize the problem. Step number two, have a wake-up call. Step number three, never go back through that doorway. Romans 12, chapter two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's some words in there that I want to talk about. Transformed is the first one. The Greek word is metamorpho. We get our word metamorphosis from it. It means to be changed from the inside out, all right, like a caterpillar inside a chrysalis changes into a butterfly from the inside out. So be transformed from the inside out by the renewing. And this word actually means a renovation, a renovation which makes a person different than in the past. The implication is it's better than what it was before. Hands up if you love like HGTV and all those renovation shows. Anyone? Yes, Lucy, excellent. I love watching those shows. I love it when you go and they take this house that looks like it should be demoed and they, they just do incredible things to it. They renovate it. Why do they renovate it? They don't renovate it to make it worse than before. They renovate it to make it better than before. And if you don't renew your mind and let the transformation start from the inside out, your feelings will take you back to that thing that you closed the door on. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying perfection. Please. If that was the case, I'd be the first out the door. All right? This is about the renewing of your mind so that it's better than it was before, not perfect. Bill Johnson says this. I love this quote. The picture it creates in my mind is so powerful. The renewed mind is the canvas on which the Spirit of God can paint. How cool is that? The renewed mind is the canvas. I can just see God, you know, the Spirit of God can paint. It's never too late to change your mind. So the question becomes, how do I renew my mind? Like, how do I actually do that? 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. 
For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Chuck Swindoll says this. I've got quotes all up the wazoo in this, but there's such good ones. The greatest battles of the Christian life are fought in the mind. Is it not true that where there is a pattern... The pattern has begun with a thought. The battleground is not out here. It's actually sometimes not even in here. It's in here. It's in your mind. And the key in that verse is take, I could do a whole sermon just on that. All right? The key in this verse, the one I want to focus on is this. Take every thought captive. That's how you start the battle, because it is a battle. I'm not going to lie to you. This is a battle, right? You've got to go on the offensive with the weapons that we've been given, which are what? Well, in Ephesians 6, Paul talks about the armor of God. I got so excited when I, when I, I'm, I'm just like busting to tell you this. This is so good, right? Two of the parts of the armor are the belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword is the only offensive weapon in the whole list. But I've started to look at the belt of truth. And there's a picture coming up in a minute of a Roman soldier. There's the belt. The belt of truth around the waist was the place where the scabbard was held for the sword. If you don't have the belt, you don't have a weapon. If you don't have truth, you don't, the, the word of God's got nowhere to, you, you get in a situation where a pattern's repeating itself and you go to get a weapon, you haven't got truth, so you've got no weapon. How, mm, love that. No belt, no weapon, no truth. No weapon. God's word, God's word is full of truth. Full of it. And if we have that truth belted around us and we have God's word as the weapon and when a thought comes into our mind that we know or we recognize, hang on, they'll come. We recognize there's a problem. Right? And we go, this is getting me nowhere. So we have a wake up call. Wait for it. And in between, we get our weapon out. We take that thought and we take it captive. We take that sucker captive. We go, you come over here and you put your arms behind your back and you're not going anywhere until you tell me on whose authority you're in my mind by. Who let you in here? Because I'm not my own. My life is not my own. Jesus is king of my life. And if you're going to be in here, you have to bow to his authority. 
So you take that sucker captive and you go, you're going to bow to Jesus? And if that thought, you, you identify it from the truth, you start sieving your thoughts through this and you recognize it's not truth, then that thought, you can kick back to where it came from. And you replace it, don't leave nothing in there. Voids are dangerous, all right? Don't leave nothing in there. You kick it back where it came from, which is hell, which is the enemy. We know that, right? And then you replace it with the truth. So if you think you're not worth anything, you know, for the longest time in my life, up until I was 30 years old, I thought my biggest thing, my pattern in my head was, you know, I don't matter. I don't matter. Every time someone in my life chose something over me, it reinforced, I don't matter. I don't matter. So, and it wasn't until I was 30 that I was at a, something or other, and, and it, it, I, I suddenly I had my wake-up call. Oh, is it wake-up call? Yeah, I realized, and I had my wake-up call, and God showed me this verse that said, and it's like he spoke to me directly. He said, Shelley, you are the apple of my eye. That was my truth. I recognized the problem. I had a wake-up call. I went through that door. I took that thought captive. You don't matter. I kicked it back where it came from, which was hell, and then I replaced it with the truth. I'm the apple of God's eye. And people can do this, that, or the other, but I, I, know, I know that I matter. Right? Yeah, you getting it? Take every thought captive. You know, they say that the Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. How often are you actually in here searching for those, those truths that are actually going to do battle with what's going on in your mind and the patterns that are there? And I want you to understand this super clear. Doing, going through this process, like taking every thought captive, it's not an act of your own will. You can't do it just by sheer willpower. You need the person who is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you need him in your life to help you battle this. And sometimes you've got to do it over and over and over again. Because do you think this enemy's going to give up after one take every thought captive? Oh, no. He will come and have another crack and another crack. You just, every time you recognize it, and you have another wake-up call, you take it captive, you replace it with the truth, you go through that door, through the door, And you don't go back. Right? You don't go back. You've got to master a new way to think before you can master a new way to be. It's a battle. No denying it's a battle. But do you know what? We are fully equipped. Fully equipped to be victorious. Because we fight with Jesus. So, there are two groups of people I want to talk to right now. The first is those of you who 
who perhaps haven't made the decision yet to follow Jesus. I want to read to you some verses out of Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. It's so beautiful, that picture. We're not alone in this battle. And the invitation is so simple. It's like Jesus is saying to you today, come to me. You're fed up with the way your life is going. Is your mind all tied up in knots? Do you have patterns in your life that are producing problems? Are you on a merry-go-round that you just can't seem to get off? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. I am truth. I can set you free. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.